You grew up knowing you could do anything. As a soldier in the U.S. Army, you'll test your limits and feel the pride of doing things you never thought possible. With guaranteed training in one of more than 150 career fields, up to $40,000 cash enlistment bonus, you'll earn a steady paycheck, get money for college, and gain valuable experience while you learn how to be a valued team leader. To find out more, call your local Army recruiter or visit us at GoArmy.com. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins. You may not like your seats, but you'll love the show. Welcome from the Cheap Seats. I'm Chris DeLambert, Professor Trent Nichols. We are talking straight NFL this afternoon. And uh, Trent, I am happy to know that based on your astute analysis that the NFL is definitely not rigged. Well, let's not go too far. Look, my impression of the Saints-Rams NFC Championship game 2018 is that there were missed calls all over the place. And if I were to have told you a story about this particular play and it ended in a flag being thrown for helmet-to-helmet contact, it's as likely as not that you would have assumed there really was not helmet-to-helmet contact. Because how many times have we seen that this year where there was a phantom helmet-to-helmet call that impacted a ball game? How many times? A lot. Probably at least 50. Yeah. I mean, it, that has week. been that was kind of the theme for the season. Now, I take issue with the people who say it was a blatant pass interference. First of all, if you want to rewind this play, start with the fact it was a bad throw. No, I tell you, go farther back than that. First of all, it's a bad call following a couple of bad calls by Sean Payton. First down in field goal range at the end of the ball game, all you've got to do is run the clock, get out of there with a field goal that wins the ball game, and instead of running the either one of the best tandem of backs in football, you throw a pop pass to Taysom freaking Hill <laughs> that's incomplete on a horrible throw by Breeze. You stop the clock, you save the Rams a timeout. And you put yourself in a position where later in the drive, you're going to have to throw the ball. Horrible game management. Atrocious game management. And then in the aftermath, Sean Payton doesn't ever even own up. He points directly at the officials. And, you know, we're going to go after this with the with the competition committee. The rules need to be changed. Blah, 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 blah. Come on, man. There was a lot of football to play after that call. First of all, had you played just a little bit of defense in regulation, the game wouldn't have gone to overtime. Then in overtime, you had the ball first. You've got what is, you know, supposedly one of the best offenses in football, and you can't protect Breeze. He throws a pick. Dude, this was not the final play of the game. That play did not determine the outcome of this ballgame. The Saints' inability to manage the game at the end of the ballgame, and then 
their failure to protect the ball in overtime is what cost them the ball game. Plain and simple. But that that call could have determined the outcome of the game. The face mask five, ten minutes before that that wasn't called against Jared Goff could have changed that ball game. The play that stands out to me that was comical is Indomitian Sue lined up at left defensive end, standing up, pointing at the play clock at double zeros, and then two or three seconds after the play clock goes to zeros, Breeze runs that third down play. That's another thing that stands out. And if we were to go peel this apart, you're going to be able to find missed calls both ways. Well, and the the referee, the head referee, has the lowest amount of penalties called in the NFL. Which is what people want. Exactly. We cry Let the all players year about play the game. this deluge of pass interference, illegal contact, and helmet to helmet. Then in crunch time, when we've screamed all along, let these guys play, they let them play. And yeah, they missed a call, but come on, man. You had plenty of football to play after that, and the Rams played better football. Now, to step forward a couple of steps, kudos to Sean McVay. All of the hype about Sean McVay being the next great offensive mind in the NFL, it's all true. It's all true. Without Gurley, this guy made as dramatic an adjustment as you can ever see in an NFL ballgame. They came out in the first quarter and were absolutely putrid on offense because they could not communicate. And rather than just continue to try to bang that square peg into a round hole, McVay flipped the script entirely. And rather than have Goff come to the line so that McVay can read the defense, get in Goff's ear, have Goff relay the play, and run it, they went exactly the opposite. And you saw it particularly in the second half. The Rams lined up and snapped the ball immediately and said, you know what, if we don't get a chance to read the defense, defense doesn't get a chance to read the offense. It was out of necessity, and the ability to make that adjustment was unbelievably good. It was a tale of two halves. The Saints looked for all intents and purposes like they were going to coast. They were going to parade right in, singing the Saints go marching in to the Super Bowl. Yeah. And the Rams said, wait a minute, man. And in a game where the Saints, the unbelievable thing for me on the Saints side is they absolutely neutralized Aaron Donald. And Domicon Sue once again was a force. If you were to have watched that game and watched the Rams defense, and I told you there's one guy on this team that is the all-pro defensive lineman. And you never, never watched another game. And you'd never watched another game, never heard either of the names. Aaron Donald would not have been your first choice. Yeah. And Domicon Sue, for all of the grief he has taken since coming out of Nebraska has been a beast for two weeks. He's earning his money, baby. Absolute game changer, man. And not only earning the money this year, for the first time in a long time, because he's made a lot of money. Well, he didn't make a lot of money signing with the Rams. He took it. It was a wait and see. He he pulled the Boogie Cousins. Yep. And he was like, yeah, I'll take this relatively small sum. (laughs) And really, truly, up until the playoffs, hadn't hadn't done a thing to earn a big payday. But you look at guys in days gone by that made 
a huge impact in the playoffs and in particular in the Super Bowl. Your Larry Browns of the world with the Cowboys back in the day against the Steelers got a huge payday with the Raiders following that. The list goes on of guys that have shown up in the postseason, parlayed that into a big payday. You're talking about a legit all-pro talent that now with the entire world watching has been the impact on the defense. Sue is about to get paid. He is – if he he has one more game. Yeah. And he could make more money. He'll be right up there top five defensive I agree. Players. Somebody's going to unload the bank. And he may Albert Haynes worth it. Yep. And never earn a nickel of that because that's kind of what we've seen from him. That's kind of his MO is he loves to freelance, and when he ain't feeling it, he just kind of shuts it down. But when that dude is engaged, we've seen him in two periods of his career. One was in Nebraska down the stretch when he knew all eyes were on him. The whispers were out there about a possible Heisman candidacy. This guy knew he was getting national recognition and was on TV with people you know, seeing that something was, was out there. This guy's draft stock was at stake. He was energized. He was as dominant a force on defense in college football as anybody you ever want to see. Gets to the NFL, and he's been pretty good. Now, with the chance to play the first meaningful postseason football of his life, he is a man among boys. This guy, being energized, is fun to watch. I don't know that we're ever going to see this level of play from him again because I don't know if he's ever going to get that motivation back. Or maybe he springboards and is like, you know what, if I really want to do this, I can be the best defensive lineman in football. Yeah, but if he gets paid, I don't know. I don't either, man. so tough. I mean, that's so hard. In every sport you watch, you get these great flashes of people when the chips are down and you got to make money. They have great years, and once they get that money – it just doesn't they don't seem like the same player. They don't. And it and it's it's impossible to say that, well, that's the impact that money has on people. Because some people get paid and they disappear. There's plenty of athletes out there and you're like, oh man, they were good right up until that enormous contract. Other guys just keep it rocking and rolling. And there are still more athletes who look at it and are like, if I'm getting paid this much, I owe it to the franchise. I owe it to the fans to do even more than I was before. Those guys are a little harder to come by, though. Yeah, and Sue definitely showed he's not that guy because Miami paid paid him pretty well. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I agree. I mean, Sean Payton is now in the conversation of the Pete Carrolls of the world. You know, you have these great running backs. All you have to do is wait. Why would you throw the ball? And Why just- would you throw the ball? Because – they're not expecting it. Not just why would you throw the football. <coughs> You've got Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas, who are the obvious 1-1A one one in the receiving game. Taysom Hill is a cool experiment. He's something we haven't ever seen before. A tight end that's really a quarterback. Amazingly athletically gifted. He's been great on gadget plays. He's been great when you use him situationally. But at the end of the fourth quarter... In regulation, if I need somebody to make a play, the fact that they went to Taysom Hill rather than to Kamara, if that's a swing pass into the flat to Kamara and he gets stuffed for no gain or he drops it or whatever the case might be, it's hard to find fault with that play. But when you're running a cute little pop pass slant 
to Taysom Hill on first down when all you've got to, the whole thought process has to be make them spend their timeouts, run the clock down, win the game. It was like what a minute fifty left. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, crazy. And the ball up. Unbelievable. Hand it off. I'm with you. 100%. Don't be mad. I mean, Saints fans, how can you sit here and blame the referees? Oh, I mean, it's easy enough to do, and it's easy enough to recognize why they would. I mean, people in our society, we we are a we are a society no longer of fixers. We're, we're less inclined to try to figure out how to fix the problem than we are to assess blame. And with our generation, I think it's fair to say that that I, I grew up in my way of looking at things was that f- assessing blame and not trying to just fix the problem. To me, that seemed like a feminine trait. It's not anymore. That's what we do. We, we, somebody has to be responsible. We're going to assess blame and we're going to fix the problem by being, you know, punishing the person to blame and making sure that it doesn't happen again instead of just fix the problem. You know what I mean? So we've become a society of blamers, and we have to blame. And and Peyton coming out there, I guess I can sympathize because I know he was emotional. Sean Peyton, as much as anybody, knows how difficult it is to get a team through the regular season onto the doorstep of the Super Bowl and into the Super Bowl. And the Saints' issues are compounded by the fact they were supposed to be in the NFC Championship last year. How soon we've forgotten the Hail Mary that beat him against the Vikings, this guy's got to be punching himself in the face and at the same time looking at it as like, we couldn't play defense for a minute? 60 seconds worth of defense, that's all it took? We couldn't block. It wasn't. And, and the play of the game that forces the interception in overtime is not Aaron Donald. It's not Indomitian Sue. It's... Dante Fowler, a guy that was thrown away like garbage by the Jacksonville Jags, comes up big in the biggest moment of his life, forces the pick. The Rams survive and now have a chance to get vindication for that 0-1 debacle where the Patriots managed to get by the best team in football. It's amazing how sports works out. You want drama? Forget television. Krista Lambert, Brandon Atkins, two American patriots trying to make sports talk radio great again. The V Foundation and board member Robin Roberts are dedicated to declaring victory over cancer by funding cutting-edge research. Jim Valvano's greatest legacy is the V Foundation. You can help join the fight, give the gift of time. We need passion, we need teamwork and momentum. The time to act is now. There's not a moment to lose. Every dollar counts. Every day counts. To find out how you can join us to defeat cancer, please visit JimmyV.org. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. All right, welcome back. Second segment of From the Cheap Seats. I'm Chris Lambert, Professor Trent Nichols, coming to you right out of Central North Carolina. Um, as I was saying going into the break, if you want drama, sports is where it's at. There are no television writers out there that can outdo the real drama that sports brings with Vince you. McMahon. Well, that's interesting that you say that because 
Wrestling is like Exhibit A. I would be a whole lot more interested to watch these guys really fight than I would to watch the scripted fights. And I have a question for you, man. And I know I, I, I shudder to, to even consider how this is going to go. Because then if I, if I ask you about things that you watch, you're always like, yeah, no, I don't know anything about it. Uh-oh. I don't know. Um, so we grew up with American Gladiators on television. Remember that? Oh, yeah. Um, have you seen this show that The Rock is trotting out? Unfortunately, not yet. The Titan Game. The Titan Game. He calls it. Yes. You, you've seen the trailer, though. You I've know seen what I'm the trailer. About. Yes. Well, here's the thing, man: is the Titan Games is trying to tap into a market that American Gladiators created all those years ago, and at the same time, some of us are old enough to remember the. Um, Battle of the Stars. You remember that? ABC. It was yeah. like television stars. Network stars would do different yeah, networks, things. Battle of the Network yep. Stars. That's what it was called. And the thing, here's the deal with these shows. We look across the Pacific Ocean and we steal ideas from Japan. That's how that works. So American Ninja Warrior is a prime example. Have you ever watched the Japanese version of that show? Mm-mm. It's awesome. It basically is just like whatever. Iron Chef. Well, yeah, much better. And here's why it's better: is the Ninja Warrior show from Japan? They basically have whatever contestants are going to be on that episode. They line them up and they let them go. And the drama is created by the fact that some of them are going to go, and it's going to go well. Some of them it's going to end badly for, and nobody really knows. But it's just as dramatic. You don't know what's going on. <laughs> Here in America, you ever watched American Ninja Warrior? Yeah, a few oh times. Oh, my God. Why do we feel the need to create human interest stories about these cats and to do these cutaways and whomever the talking heads are that are doing commentary for these things are always the worst? <laughs> it, why do we do that? Now we're doing this with the Titan Games, and I will not watch this because I already know what I'm going to get. And it's going to be akin to American Ninja Warrior. Oh, they're doing the over. cutaway thing? I'm, you the backstory? No you don't really think that they're just going to have these folks show up. And, you know, in the red from Buffalo, New York, Jim Smith, who's a truck driver. And over here, we have sous chef Willie Hunt. Get at it. No, it's not going to be that. Uh, they're going to spend all this time, and they're going to have pictures with the kids. And they're they didn't be, have that for American roadside bombing in Bosnia. But it's going to be that, and then they're going to pick and choose highlights from this thing, and it's going to be overproduced, and it will be ridiculous. There is no doubt that it's going to be ridiculous. Whereas if they just took athletes from around the country and pitted them and let them go, I'd be down to watch that. They could put a reality TV channel. If they just let these cats do their thing, why do we feel like we have to create the drama? Don't you look at the NFL television writers and get the greatest drama on our televisions comes from something that is absolutely not scripted. And it's why we love it. And it's why it's a multi-billion dollar industry. We don't know if it's not scripted. Here we go. We, we have no idea. Here we go. It's kind of funny that the last time the Rams won the Super Bowl in Atlanta, McVay was there. 
He was. As That's cool. Yeah. It's also kind of funny that this may be the swan song of one of the Patriot greats. And 17 years ago, this is when... The legend began. The legend began. Yeah. So the conspiracy is it may be rigged. But well, wait a minute. And you know what we did? We gave Breeze his last hurrah, showed him good. Then we put the Rams back in the national spotlight and McVeigh as the king, the new king of the NFL. And we took Brady and we made them look awesome. And then we gave Mahomes all the, the hype that he needed to take the torch to the point that the final page on the script, it read Brady walks into the locker room, asks if he could see Pat Mahomes, and then talks to him and, and boosts him up after that loss as he walks off into the sunset to Atlanta to win his final Super Bowl or lose, and then Bilicek retires and leaves the sporting industry. If you, 20 years ago, had written a book that followed that script, it never would have been published. Nobody would believe that. Chris, I can barely spell my own name, <laughs> so it wouldn't be because of the storyline. It would be the grammar and the spelling would be so horrendous. <laughs> Okay, so if somebody that actually had command of the English language <laughs> there you go, were better. to have written that script or that book, it would have been ridiculous fiction. The fact that in spite of all the conspiracy theorists, this has come to pass and what you just said happened. How in the hell can Sean McVay be at the Super Bowl in Atlanta at 17 years old? I think he was 14. 14, whatever. And then be back for the rematch, for the vindication the Rams deserve. Oh, it wasn't the rematch. Nonsense he win was at the, the Rams-Titans game. Oh, was, uh, you're, yes, you're right. Yes, you're right. Yes. It was the Rams-Titans. Yes. Game. You're right. But how crazy? How crazy is that? And, and, and just he's going so you, home. He's a Georgia boy. Well, just to compound how crazy it is, has anybody out there ever tried to get a Super Bowl ticket? Oh. Dude. It's amazing how this all comes together. And again, when you try to replicate that with your own imagination, you're always going to fall short of what sports consistently delivers. Period. Anybody out there that says, I don't like sports, I honestly believe just doesn't have the context to appreciate what they're watching. I'm not saying that they don't understand the sport or that, you know, it can appeal to whatever the case might be. It, it, it's hard for me to believe that if you truly understand everything that's going on in the periphery and how the game works, I don't understand how you could not be a sports fan. I don't get it. I will say this, that aside from being a Bronco fan and growing up watching the two Cleveland games or whatever, Hands down, these were the two best championship games I've ever I mean, seen in my life. I think back to what you just said. Unbelievable. Go back, and, and, and we've lost it in time, but the Biner fumble game. Yeah. Dude. How much drama. But that, I mean, I don't know if this was entertaining. I don't like either one of these four teams as my team. I Me neither. 
So I don't know if the drive and then a 33-yard field goal, which I thought Rich Carlos had the longest, but now that obviously when I did my research, you were right, this guy's the longest. Say that again. You were right, of course. Uh, right. Um, and then the following year, it's over. The Broncos lose. Boom, fumble. Those, yeah. those were life-changing moments for and, me. And, and the and smart, a smart takes the shot was life-changing for me when Indiana won the championship. Dude. And to add to it with what you're talking about with the fumble, I've told people my mother is one of the biggest sports fans I've ever known. We were watching the game, and she says to me about 40 seconds before it happened, he has got to be dog-tired. They've got to get him out of the game. Talk about Ernest wow. Biner. Because they remember, they just rode Biner. Biner, yep. Biner, 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 Biner. And sure enough, she's like, they've got to get him out of there. And then he fumbles. And I'm like, how did that just happen? You know what I mean? And you take those kind of moments with family and add that. When, what, what television show, what television drama have you ever been watching with a family member where you can tell people, oh, I remember where I was when, you know, Ross and what's her name got married. I know where I was. Game of I know who I was with when Jr. got shot. Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? That we don't have those kind of life altering events and those those moments in time that we carry with us forever yeah. associated with any other kind of television. Mm-hmm. And we're a generation we didn't get to have the moon landing. You know, I'm sure that if I were old enough, I would know exactly where I was. You know, or for the JFK moonland. getting shot. And JFK getting shot. I do. There are tragedies, but there are no positive things. I can't tell you where I was when uh, any particular president was inaugurated. Sadly, the only type things I remember are the Challenger disaster. Yeah. I know exactly where I was when the Challenger blew up. I know exactly where I was when the Twin Towers got bombed. That's not Princess something. Princess died dying. I Princess know exactly Diana, where I was. Those are not the things I want to carry with yeah. me. I want to carry moments of greatness in sport and i just don't know where those come from anyplace else so that's my thing yeah um i do want to read for you in case you haven't heard um and i'm not gonna read the whole thing but i gail benson who inherited the saints uh well i'll read it on the other side of the break uh see what gail has to say about this weekend's events you're listening from the cheap seats thanks for hanging out you're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Adkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio. Are you ready to sell your home and don't know which realtor to choose? Well, not all realtors are the same. I'm Crystal Copas, and I don't just stick a sign in the yard, throw it in the MLS, and hope to collect a commission. I provide a customized marketing plan that includes professional staging, photography, videography, and drone at no cost to you. Contact me, Crystal Copas, with Remax Real Estate Service, and let's get your house sold. 919-356-5402 or visit me at crystalcopas.com. Everyone deserves a decent place to live. Everyone. Decent shelter is something we all need to thrive. Through shelter, we empower. Visit Habitat.org to donate today. Hello, I'm Rob Beckley, lead singer of the band Pillar. 
I served in the Army Reserve for eight years, and it taught me lessons in teamwork, leadership, and organizational skills that I still use today. Serving part-time in the Army Reserve also offers skill training, money for college, and bonuses up to $20,000. So if you're up to the challenge, talk to your local Army Reserve recruiter today or check us out online at GoArmyReserve.com. You too can be Army strong in the Army Reserve. You know what really gets a party started? Indoor baseball. Yeah, just find a broom or a pool cue, and you can use, like, anything as a ball. Cans, bottles, shoes. Hey, bro, toss me that avocado. Most party fouls are pretty dumb, but if you decide to drink and drive underage, you could lose your license and your freedom. Underage drinking and driving, the ultimate party foul. Learn more at ultimatepartyfoul.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. And now... From Sanford, North Carolina, Krista Lambert and Brandon Atkins. I got money, I got fame, fast cars and everything. Yeah. Oh. All right, welcome back from the Cheap Seas, Krista Lambert, Brandon. Oh, well, no Brandon Atkins, just me and the professor hanging out. And I, and I have to admit here that I've never actually heard this particular person talk. But I think it's only fair that I do my best to sound what I think she would sound like. Is that is that reasonable? I, yeah, I think that's reasonable. All right. So what I'm going to do here is I'm going to read the statement from Gail Benson the owner of the New Orleans Saints. Do you think I should – would it be disrespectful if I did it in my best Gail Benson voice? No. Imitation is the uh, the greatest form of flattery. All right. Let me see how I can do this. Yesterday's result is still difficult to accept for all of us. I am thoroughly disappointed by the events that led to the outcome of yesterday's game. Getting to the Super Bowl is incredibly difficult to do and takes such an unbelievable commitment from a team and support from its fans. No team should ever be denied the opportunity to reach the title game or simply win a game based on the actions or inactions of those charged with creating a fair and equitable playing field. As it is clear to all who watch the game, it is undeniable that our team and fans were unfairly deprived of that opportunity yesterday. I have been in touch with the NFL regarding yesterday's events, and I will aggressively pursue changes to NFL policies to ensure no team and fan base is ever put in our similar position again. It is a disservice to our coaches, players, employees, and most importantly, the fans who make our game possible. The NFL must always commit to providing the most basic of expectations, fairness, and integrity. How was that? Very nice. Yeah. Very nice. All right, man. It was uh very good. I could I could <laughs> see the shrimp 
Creole shrimp right? falling out of your mouth. Dude, my advice smell. to Gail Benson, take some of those billions of dollars that you're fighting with Benson's kids about and go have some gumbo and a couple hurricanes and chill out. You're still rich. Drew Brees is still the mayor in New Orleans. You, Relax. They don't wear bags on their heads anymore right? in your stadium. Have you ever been to the Superdome? No. Let me tell you something, man. I've been there a couple times, both for regular season games. It is unbelievably loud. I've been to a lot of venues in my life. I've been blessed to have been to a lot of different places to see a game. I've never been in any place as loud as the Superdome. And that's for regular season games. Yeah. It, just to give context, I was at Lucas Oil for a playoff game with the Indianapolis Colts a few years ago. It's not even in the same realm, and that is a dome. So it's not just the fact it's a dome. It's something about the acoustics in there, and I don't know if there's pumped-in sound, too. I don't have any idea. It is unbelievable. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. It's it's an amazing place. It's the one place that I that I've ever been where I have to say there probably is not a bad seat. I've I had some bad what looked like bad seats on paper for both of those times I went, and they're just the way it's configured. They're just in the bad seat there. It's great. The closest I got to the Superdome was the uh, Neil Diamond <laughs> coming to America movie. He played the Superdome. It was pretty neat. The crowd was pretty loud. I hate you, Trent Nichols. Why do you do that to me? I don't know. Um, you know I'm ADD. I can't keep a train of thought anyway. And you're like, Neil Diamond coming the old, to The old Chicago Stadium Jeez. was pretty phenomenal. Really? But there was bad seats because it was just so you're small. You're talking about Soldier Field? No, I'm talking about the hockey stadium. Oh, Where gotcha. the Bulls okay. and the uh, Blackhawks played. That was pretty amazing, but whatever. I can't, I've never been in a venue that big. To experience that loud. loud. And, and you know, it, it, New Orleans, it goes without saying, everybody's drunk <clears throat> before they show up. Yeah. And it is out of control. And I got to give love to the New Orleans fans. It, we, we talk sometimes about how smart a fan base is. They got it just right. And there's nothing more humorous to me at a sporting event than to see fans who don't understand when to be loud and when not to be loud. And if you go to an NFL or even a college football game and they have to post on the screen, you know, quiet please, that just tells me everything you need to know about a uh, a fan base and how educated they are. The best one I've ever seen is in Pittsburgh at Heinz Field when the, when the offense for the Steelers is on the field. They post a big banner, or they used to, that says, Ben at work. And that's the cue <laughs> oh, that's for everybody cool. to just shut shut up so they can hear one another. But I've been to games before, especially college football, when you have teams that are not normally good, and then they get good, and everybody wants that ticket, and they go out, and they just kind of sit in their hands while the team's on defense. And then when the offense comes out on the field, yeah, come on, man! shut up! Reverse, yeah. You got it completely backwards. I admire your, you know, your energy and your enthusiasm, but you really need to shut up right now. It's kind of wild. Anyway, Gail Benson and her statement. I'm certain that she did talk to somebody at NFL headquarters. I have no doubt. Um, in fact, there were a couple times this weekend when I, where I really felt like Roger Goodell was probably on the phone with the officials <laughs> in that Patriot Chiefs game with all those reviews. Do you think what what are the odds that at some point they were actually on the phone with Roger? Do you think it's possible? Could that be a real thing? It might be. Dude, 
That was Chiefs, it, was he in the stadium? I don't know, man. Uh, the Chiefs Patriots game was unbelievable. Those review after review after review after review, and it, I, it just really felt to me like the officials was was going over to the sideline, and he wasn't looking at the play. He wasn't talking to anybody except Roger, who's like, oh. Let me count the money on this side and the money on that side. How are we going to do this? What's going to be best for the league? I don't know. Um, but the whole thing with the Saints, man, I, I get it. And you know what? You guys are allowed to be pissed off. I, it, it's justified probably. But you do have to accept it's part of the game, man. Tell, tell it to the St. Louis fans back in the World Series. Remember game six against the Royals? There was a play, a bang-bang play at first base. Uh, George Order was called safe. The the Royals jump on that, rally to score two, win game six, and then come back and win win game seven. The Cardinals were three outs away from a World Series championship. makes me happy that the Cardinals lost because I hate the Cardinals. It's the same with the Cubs and the – Oh, my God. The foul ball. Yeah, but that – They don't don't remember the next play, their shortstop got an error. Yes. Missed and botched a ball that actually lost them. It's amazing the things in sports that galvanize us that we remember. It wasn't Bartman. It was – I think it's Gonzalez. Well, was think there, about the think, think about the the jazz fans that still cry about you know Jordan swatting Ryan Russell. Yeah. Whatever, man. Anyway, I digress. We've we've kind of beaten this whole Saints Rams game into yeah, but, the ground. And so, but talking about these reviews on the Patriots, unfortunately, they got the call right every single time. I agree, Video and I wish review. I really wish for a lot of reasons, but now in particular that Brandon was here because Brandon on the muffed punt from Edelman. Honestly, his his perception of it is that they blew the call and that Edelman did touch the football. I don't see it that way. Two grown men can disagree on it. The thing is that Brandon, even as an observer of that, feels like that play impacted the game. The Chiefs intercepted a pass and scored just a couple plays later. Yeah. I mean, in the bigger scheme of things, even if the even if the the refs did blow the call, it didn't matter. The pick came off of Edelman's hands. They walk back karma. down. So if he legitly That's touched right. it, which I didn't see it, hell, my wife didn't see it. It looked like it missed it. Karma came back and it went through his hands and intercepted. I, I, you know, I know that when they go to the replay, they're watching what happened and trying to deduce the best they can. What convinced me has nothing to do with what happened as the ball was going by Edelman. The reason I feel oh. so confident that I didn't see him touch it is his reaction. Edelman is a savvy guy. Edelman knows what's going on, but he's not savvy enough that if he had touched the ball to not react and let it bounce past him because if he doesn't react, it might convince the refs he didn't touch it. The fact that he made no effort to go get that football convinces me he didn't touch it, or if he did touch it, he didn't know, and that's even that much more unlikely. But the thing is, you said karma. I believe it's karma because just because he didn't touch it but was really, really close, the fact that he made such a bad play in a big moment, they deserve to be punished for it. Whether he missed the, whether the, he lucked up and didn't touch the ball or not, they deserve to be punished. And the football gods were like, boom, interception through your hands, going the other way. Well, now we have two games that we would have been like, well, they blew that call because he touched the ball and we didn't get it back. Well, the, the bigger if thing is then you fast forward end. a little bit, and there were several catches both ways. I honestly think they got all of them correct. Yeah, me too. Um, now, it's obvious that people's perspective is tilted based on who they wanted to win a football game. 
Got it. That's human nature. I honestly, as an objective observer who didn't give a rip who won that football game, thought they got them all right, including yeah. the Edelman the Edelman play. Now, given all of the good fortune that Brady has gotten throughout his career, it would have been it, maybe it is just another layer of can you believe how lucky he was? You know, I, I don't know, but people forget though that in the midst of that whole thing. One of those calls on a catch, not catch, went against the Patriots. Yeah, you know, and it brought them a big third down that they were able to to convert. Um, But people leave that out because it doesn't necessarily fit their narrative. The call that they botched because the ref was in a horrible position to see was that roughing the passer call. Yeah, I mean that was he he kind of rubbed his face his. Brady's head did move, whether Brady exaggerated a little bit, but the ref that called it was to the right and behind it. So the yes. way that it was coming down, it probably looked like that. Oh, it definitely. I'm, I have no doubt hit him that in the from head. behind the yes. play, and he it would have that. looked that way. And honestly, that's one of those plays that I think the competition committee needs to take a look at because it's one thing for these guys who are trying to bat a ball down It's another thing if you make forcible contact to a quarterback's head. And what it's become, we've seen it a lot of times. We we, we saw it with Roethlisberger where he faked it one time during the regular season. It's one of those things that you see get called. It's unfortunate, but I don't know with the emphasis on, hey, you're not going to hit the quarterback in the head, how you're not going to miss it on occasion. If you want to review something, that to me is the type call you ought to make reviewable. And – the, the question I have, though, is I think there should be discretion. It shouldn't be a binary thing. Well, did he touch the head? Did he not? Remember back in the day, we used to have two entirely different penalties for face mask. One was the inadvertent. One was the personal foul. Yeah, where you pulled down and moved yeah. you know, 15 yards. And now what we've five. moved to is one penalty that covers all of them. If you grab somebody's face mask, it's a 15-yard penalty. Well, what we've seen over the last, I feel – five or six years, I think the officials have adjusted to it. And when they see an inadvertent face mask, they're like, eh, I'm just that it's not worthy of 15 yards. It's not worthy of being a game changing play, which is what a 15 yard call is. Yeah. Um so they've adjusted, but I, you know, it just kind of is what it is, man. That the hands to the face, it was a bad call. Well I wouldn't I wouldn't be opposed to having Andy Reid being able to challenge that. And having that penalty wiped off. But where do you, you draw know what the I mean? line? But that's it. But you draw the line on the contact to quarterbacks roughing the passer. I, Just, I th- that's it. I think well, you can't go pass interference. They're going to be having no, replays God, every no. single. And and that's why I read the statement <clears throat> from Gail Benson because she's alluding that you know somehow you, you need to be able to review these non calls. Dude, if we get into the business of reviewing all these non-calls, the game will grind to a halt. There is not one single time where, as an objective NFL fan, I've been like, God, I'm glad they're under the hood again. (laughs) I mean, now, if it benefits my team, I might be like, okay. But even then, there's sometimes where I'm like, dude, get on with it. (laughs) We'll see you on the other side of the break. Krista Lambert and Brandon Atkins always help me with my draft picks, but I sure wish they would stop hanging out with Zeke Elliott. When I was just a tiny baby, I was stolen from my parents. I was imprisoned in a cramped cage 
and was touched and photographed completely against my will, solely for somebody's profit. Then I started to grow bigger, and they locked me away for life. If you knew that was the life of a tiger cub, would you still pay to pet her? Learn how they're exploited through petting and photo ops at cubabuse.com. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of. At DAV, we're on a mission, helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned. I'm Cece. My victory was finishing my education. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins. But if you really want to know what's going on, Professor Trent, they should listen to you and me, Diamond Dave Kaplan. We've got a better grasp on sports, I think. It's astute analysis. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. All right, so we're talking now about the Patriots Chiefs AFC Championship clash. Man, and I'm going to tell you, both of these ball games, great for sports fans, oh. great for the public at large. And I honestly feel I was, I was kind of being funny about this over the weekend. We deserved those games. Mm-hmm. After the national championship game was such a disaster, um, we deserved to have great football games. And in the divisional round, we had a couple good games. Mm. Um, the, the, the Philly Chicago game oh, being yeah. sort of the coup de grace of that group of games. But there was that really a compelling game? Because nobody really felt like either one of those teams was a serious contender to win the Super Bowl. You know, to advance and go take an ass whoop in the next round. Yeah, okay, that's a nice story. But in this one, first of all, I think that any objective observer would agree we had the right four teams in the championship games. Absolutely. That doesn't happen very often. No, absolutely we got lucky there. I mean, normally there's at least one team on one side of the bracket that just sort of Jacksonville what are they doing? Jacksonville year. being a perfect example. You know, that sort of fumbles their way in there and then they get blown out in the championship and and you know, and and, and Jacksonville to their credit last year pushed New England all the way to the to the hilt. But this, I think if you step back and take in this season in total, I don't even know who you could begin to make an argument for outside of these four teams. Well, I think it was the teams that were right there at the end. Maybe not the Colts, but I think the Chargers could have been <laughs> deserving because they had the second I, best record. I would probably in put, the FC. I would probably say the, the Chargers did have a great year, but I don't think it's. If if both of those te- if neither of those teams had made the AFC Championship game, and you look back on this season with Mahomes and everything that he did, and Andy Reid with Tyreek Hill and that entire offense, I don't think anybody'd be like, "Hey, the Chargers were the story of that season." Yeah, you know what I mean. The Chargers, in my book, may be the fifth best team in this group, but it's there's some there's some distance. And the Chargers, the other thing, they played pretty well all season. They happen to be the team that was really hot at the end of the year. The difference this year is that the teams that jumped out of the gate didn't come back to the pack enough that any of these late risers, like the Ravens, um, like the Chargers, really kind of made the Bears being a I perfect I think the example. Bears are one that next year 
could be that team that leapfrogs into this discussion they based could on what their defense is. And, and if they and sign the, that uh, banished running back, the Bears are going to look real interesting. interesting. That's an interesting thing. And and um, Matt Nagy has a relationship with Kareem Hunt coming off of that chief staff out there. He has said publicly he's a good kid. If you take – I, I just consider this for a second. I said earlier that Kamara and Ingram make up the best duo in football in terms of running backs, and I stand by that. There are some other good duos out there, um, but I don't think anybody stacks up against Ingram and Kamara. Who's the third back behind Kamara and Ingram in New Orleans? Can you imagine? Bill. <laughs> yeah, right? I mean, I'm serious. Yeah. I don't, I don't no, even I don't know. know. Um, I don't even know if they carry a third running back, to be perfectly honest. So if you were to take Jordan Howard, Tarek Cohen, and add Kareem Hunt into that mix, brother, I don't think I'm overstating this if I say that might be as good a trio of backs as there has ever been in the NFL. Unfortunately, I think Howard is going to be the one out. I think he's going into either free agency or that's the one they think they're going to move. And then... I don't if think you Howard have, is a free agent this year. Yeah, but if you have um, those two other court running backs, they're the same player in my eyes. So Ooh. you need that Howard. The Oh, no, no, no. Hunt and Turn, Hunt Owen. is a three-down back. I, I, Hunt is as good a three-down back from a talent standpoint as anybody out there. He can catch the ball. He can do all that. But I, Kareem Hunt is a guy that can carry the ball first through third okay. down, multipurpose back. Tarek Cohen is a Swiss Army knife. He is. Um, I this thought Hunt was more of a Swiss Army knife, but maybe that's just the way Kansas City I think City that's just. The, him. I think that's more than the way Kansas City okay. used him. I think in most offenses, what you'd see is more traditional between the tackles with Hunt. Okay. but you can do other things with him. Tarek Cohen, to me, is one of the most dangerous players in football, but he's not a guy that has any business touching the ball twenty times a game. Hmm. Um, you can line him up in the slot. You can you know swing him out of the backfield. You can do all kinds of things with the guy. I don't know what Jordan Howard's free agent status is. I'd have to look. Yeah. Um, but even if it's only for one year, if they were to get that that group of three backs healthy at the same time, working out of the same backfield with a guy as much with as much imagination as Nagy, because uh, people don't understand, Nagy had that Chicago offense operating at a very high level with nobody at receiver. Mm-hmm. The worst group of receivers probably in the league. With a young quarterback, um, kind of bizarre. I think this is year four for Howard. Yeah, free agent. He's an unrestricted free agent in 2020. Yeah, so. there you go. Yep. So he's under contract this and year. And he's really not very highly paid. Yeah, he's still on his rookie deal. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And and it may be that they don't have any illusions about the three of them. And maybe they ship Jordan Howard somewhere. Um, if they wanted to sell really, really high on Tarek Cohen – a lot of teams are going to be looking for guys like him. They see what Tyreek Hill does. Um, they see what Kamara does. These guys that can do a lot out of the backfield. I think the value for guys like Tarek Cohen is higher than it's been in a very long time. And I think that that's the one copycat thing you're going to see from a lot of teams in the league. Well, that's what I thought Nagy would bring to Chicago, which he kind of has. Yeah, I mean, Tarek Cohen, yeah. I mean, he had games where he was a monster. Yeah. Um, and they're in a big – maybe it's not that Howard could be leaving, but they might have to lose somebody because 
They have zero cap space. They have nothing. You got to think. They have first, nothing. Well, first of all, Howard and Cohen are both on rookie deals, <coughs> so they're relatively cheap. Kareem Hunt is not going to break the bank with a contract with anybody. Um, that's going to be very interesting to see how it plays out is what the price tag associated with Hunt is. And that is pretty much going to be determined by how big the market is. I mean, there are a lot of teams across the league that are going to be like, uh, no, yeah. you get no phone call back. Uh, but if it's three or four or five teams, it doesn't have to be 30. You know, those teams can jack that price up and bid against one another. It may well be that Chicago's the only taker. I well, mean, Cincinnati. I'll give you. I'll give you some perspective. It's been reported there's multiple teams. Well, maybe interested. there are. Maybe there might are. be up to five. Oh well, if it's five, then that price tag's going to price. It may be end up being pretty rich. Um, Cincinnati struck gold with uh, Pac-Man Jones years ago. You know, Pac-Man had worn out his welcome, screwed everything up in Tennessee, went down to Dallas. That was a train wreck. Nobody else wanted him. Cincinnati was like, yeah, come on in. And quietly, he was one of the best corners in football for about five years for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and they didn't have to pay him much because nobody else wanted him. Um, that may be the type of situation with Hunt because there is absolutely no disputing his talent. It's a matter of whether you can mitigate the bad PR that's going to come with that signing. Bears don't seem too worried about it. And with all of the good feelings about the Bears in Chicago, the Bears are back. The first time the Bears have been good in a while. Yeah. Maybe they can get away with this. Maybe they can cash in and, you know, this is the one bad PR move we're going to make in a, in a, in a list hey, of many. If they win, I don't think anybody will care in Chicago. Well, I mean, when you pull off a heist and bring Khalil Mack in and get him on, you know, get him on your squad, you can hide a signing like Kareem Hunt. And the other thing is, is given their situation now – if things were to go sideways with Hunt, he's not too big to fail. I mean, they've got a backfield that's got Jordan Howard and Tarek Cohen in it. So if Hunt comes in and he's a knucklehead or Hunt gets hurt, whatever the case might be, you know, they're not it's not gonna blow their squad up. So that's my thoughts with regard to that. Back to Kansas City and New England. Do you see how ADD, you see how that works? Yeah. I know, I feed it. <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> so back to the Chiefs and the Patriots. Um, Mahomes, at this point, given everything that's unfolded this year, I want to make two things clear. One is that he has had absolutely an historic year, especially given the fact that this is only his second year in the league. The second thing that I want to make clear is anyone who wants to tell me that Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in football or is among the greats in the NFL, I need them to shut up. Those are my those are my two pieces for the world. Hmm. Patrick Mahomes did some great things number-wise. Okay? Two things to consider here. First of all, we're surrounded by ridiculous talent. Okay? Tyreek Hill, for anybody that's still sleeping on Tyreek Hill, Tyreek Hill was the best receiver in football this year, period. There's not even a close second. Adam Thielen looked like he might be that guy and then fell off the radar when John DeFilippo couldn't you know, run an offense anymore out there in Minnesota. Tyreek Hill, in terms of production, making teams game plan around him. Julio Jones is second tier. A.J. Green, even when he's healthy, in a different tier. Tyreek Hill is a game changer. Mm-hmm. Best wide receiver in football for me, period. Travis Kelsey. You can't even come up with somebody that's second on the list to Travis Kelsey in terms of being the best tight end in football. Sammy Watkins 
would be the number one receiver on about 25 teams in the NFL. And in Kansas City, he's the third option at best. I'll finish my thought on the other side. You're listening from the Cheap Seats. We appreciate you hanging out. You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Adkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio. Are you ready to sell your home and don't know which realtor to choose? Well, not all realtors are the same. I'm Crystal Copas, and I don't just stick a sign in the yard, throw it in the MLS, and hope to collect a commission. I provide a customized marketing plan that includes professional staging, photography, videography, and drone at no cost to you. Contact me, Crystal Copas, with Remax Real Estate Service, and let's get your house sold. 919-356-5402 or visit me at crystalcopas.com. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of. At DAV, we're on a mission, helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned. I'm Cece. My victory was finishing my education. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. I'm Chris DeLambert. I'm Brandon Atkins. I'm Professor Trent Nichols. Coming to you from the cheap seats. All right, before the uh, before the halftime festivities, I was riffing about uh, Pat Mahomes, and I you look, I'm not going to take anything away from the numbers that he put up with. Uh, aside from the weapons he was surrounded with, kid is awesome, and he does make throws that there are very few people who've ever played pro football can make. <clears throat> However, the NFL at the quarterback position in particular is all about staying power. He did it. First time out of the gate. Now he's got to back that ass up and do it again. Yeah, and see, that's where, you know, this is Trent, by the way, so if I say something <laughs> nice about Patrick Mahomes, I call oh, him now. you going Patrice. Yeah, I call oh. him uh, Muppet My Homes now. <laughs> this is his new name, Muppet My Homes. Uh, listen, I'm going to be honest with you. About halfway through the game, I looked at my wife, and she about stabbed me. I said, honestly, I don't know if I would be really that disappointed if the Chiefs won. I mean, he's very entertaining. But slow your roll. For real. This guy is not – he is he is unbelievable, and we're seeing it. But he may come out next year and throw 25 touchdowns with well, 30 and interceptions. And, and I, don't I think mean, people you give recognize. these professional defenses yes. a full year of tape – and let's see how he does it. So I'm in the same boat with you. Here's the, here's the thing. The likelihood that he's going to play his entire career with Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey healthy is minuscule. Or him healthy. He or gets him. That's hit. the other thing is, is he will take a hit. The thing that bothers me about Mahomes is his willingness to try to force the ball into bad situations. He got away with one. And that people have forgotten about that already. I was trying to talk to Brandon about it. He couldn't even like understand what I was talking about. <laughs> but at the end of that ball game with the Chiefs with an opportunity to drive down and score 
to take the lead, and they ultimately got the ball down into scoring position yeah. on a swing pass out to, to Watkins where Watkins ran after the catch. Right before that, he threw the ball into the end zone into double coverage, yeah. and it should have been picked off. Maybe he'll grow out of that. And it was short, and the Patriot guy should have caught yeah, it. Yeah, that's exactly it what I'm saying. It rolled right down his chest. Yes, and we, but you didn't hear anybody jump on him about that during the telecast. Here's the thing we don't know about Mahomes first and foremost. Easy to be motivated when you were the backup and you're trying to prove a point and you come out. Think back seven or eight years ago, how good was Colin Kaepernick? Colin Kaepernick was a talent we had never seen in the NFL before. He was Michael Vick that could actually throw the ball with accuracy. He was so fast, such a great athlete, had an absolute cannon for an arm. Today, he is currently unemployed. Mm -hmm. We don't know what the future holds for Mahomes. Two years ago, Deshaun Watson was doing things at the quarterback position as a rookie we had never seen before. This year, he's all right. Give this kid a chance to either succeed or fail. Carson Wentz, how good was he before he got hurt and now last year? they're 50-50, trade kid, him or That's right. Him. This kid was the MVP what? before he got his knee blown up. He was the MVP last year. There, it wasn't even close, I don't think. Hurt his knee. Comes back this year, plays all right. Gets hurt again. He's an afterthought. The quarterback position in the NFL, you don't get to be talked about amongst the greats of all time unless you do it year after year after year. And I know it's not fair, but in the NFL, more than any other sport out there, you have to have a Super Bowl ring to be an elite quarterback. So if the Pat, one if exception Pat Mahomes to that, yes. is Dan Marino, right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, Marino. so if Mahomes puts up Marino numbers, or let's just say he averages 43 touchdown passes and plays 10 years, yes. is he one of the greatest of all times with no Super Bowl rings? Nope. Is Dan Fouts one of the greatest of all time? Yeah. No. I mean, I mean that. I mean, is he's Dan probably Fouts top, one of the great, prop 15, You maybe look at 10? Dan Fouts' numbers – Dan Fouts at the time was putting up numbers nobody had ever seen before. Would John Elway, without any rings, would he still be one of the greatest of all times? <sighs> maybe. Because he but had three only, losses but, early. But maybe, but only because he got there three times and lost. Yeah. And did it with teams around him that just weren't that good. Yeah. Now, if Mahomes gets there and loses a couple times, maybe he gets into the conversation. But in this day and age, it's difficult to get there. But what are they thinking? He's not going to throw 55 touchdowns. He may. Maybe he does. The chances are he's not going to continue to get better and better. Well, Trent, look look, look, look here. Is he going to throw 70 touchdown passes one year? We, we, don't even have to, we don't even have to look any farther than the L.A. Rams. Kurt Warner, in his first couple years in the league, was – unbelievable mm -hmm. he never got better than he was the first time out of the gate now if Mahomes plays at the level he played at this year and he puts up 50 touchdowns yeah he'll be one of the best out there but if he regresses just a little bit and defenses react to him a little bit 
Tyreek Hill gets tweaked a little bit. Kelsey starts to show age because Kelsey's been around for a minute. And he comes back to the pack and he's throwing 40 touchdowns and can't get to the Super Bowl. He's Matt Stafford. Think about Stafford's numbers for the first five years he's been in the league. I mean, Stafford last year became the highest paid player in football. Stafford had never won a thing. And now they're already going to talk about Mahomes being the first $200 million man. And maybe he is. And maybe he's worthy of it. But we have to watch that play out. Mahomes is one shot to the knee away from being a broken man. And if he ever incurs a shoulder injury, I don't know that he can come back from it. Andrew Luck is a guy whose mechanics are amazing. All right, He is a, a pure passer. Careful. Good thing Brandon's not here. No, what I'm saying is it, it he is, and there's there's plenty of them out there. Brady's a guy like that. Brady relies on his mechanics. Mahomes, it's all natural ability. It's Favre. Favre lived this anointed, blessed life where he managed to never get hurt. That durability is unmatched in NFL history. He was a guy that could sling the ball sidearm. He'd pitch it. He'd do all kinds of things with it. Mahomes can do all that stuff, but if he doesn't have the staying power that Favre did, eh, what is it? Look no farther. You want to know somebody else that's really, really athletic that can make throws from all different kinds of angles and do things nobody else has ever seen before? His name's Aaron Rodgers. And we're all down on Aaron Rodgers right now, and we're like, ah, he got one Super Bowl. He's supposed to be the best ever. He's only got one Super Bowl. Mahomes has zero. So why are we down on Aaron Rodgers where Aaron Rodgers is indisputably among the best athletes to ever play quarterback, but we're down on him because he only got one Super Bowl. Mahomes has none, but we want to put him in the conversation before his time. Let it mature. Yes. Let it rest. Slow your roll. Slow Let it rest. Roll. Now, I, do, I, I cannot get through this Patriots-Chiefs things without talking about Bob Sutton. Many of you out there had never heard the name Bob Sutton before the weekend. It became Until a thing. last week when and you I, listened to our show. And I told you he mm-hmm. would not change. He would run a vanilla scheme, and that's exactly where they got victimized. They played man two all night long. The only, way, the only time they deviated from it is when Eric Berry came onto the field. Eric Berry is like a zombie. This dude has gone through major leg injuries. This dude beat cancer and still plays at an amazingly high level and announced immediately after the game he's going to have heel surgery. I mean, this guy is he is a zombie. He's a you cannot kill this guy. Eric Berry is one of my favorite players in football because of his story, but every time he was on the field Sunday night, he was matched up playing press against Gronkowski. It took Brady about 30 seconds to figure that out. Down the stretch, they kept that in their pocket. And when they had to have something, they were looking at Gronk on a slant because he could get off that press and nobody was going to roll over him in coverage. I told you so. Bob Sutton is a hard-headed old dude who's going to run what he runs, just like Anthony Lynn did with the Chargers the Mm -hmm. week before. We're going to do what we do and we're going to do it well. Okay, cool. The the bottom line up front with that thinking is that Brady now has played two weeks of postseason football and has not been sacked a single time. 
you want Brady to beat you? Don't put pressure on him. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can think back to that game on Sunday and think of the once or twice they actually got pressure on him. You get, dude, that's a non-starter. And Brady knew where that ball was coming. Julian Edelman, Trent, I want you to think about this for a second. Julian Edelman probably could not start for most teams in football. There are some places that are wide receiver poor that he could probably go and be the one or the two. But most good teams, Julian Edelman's not in the starting lineup. Mm -hmm. Julian Edelman... I want to know how you feel about this when I make this statement. Julian Edelman's going to the Hall of Fame. Wow. Do you agree or disagree? I mean, it's hard to disagree, especially if he gets what, number four? Right. I mean, look at that. Who's the other guy with him, number 15? Chris Hogan? Yeah. They're the same person, though. <laughs> Julian Edelman's almost bigger. I, I mean, Barely. Hogan, Not Hogan taller. is a guy. They couldn't even decide if this dude's a tight end or a wide receiver. Julian Edelman is like the best Mac quarterback of all time. Right. Didn't he go to like Toledo or yes. Buffalo or something as a quarterback? Toledo, I believe. Yeah, played quarterback in college. No, but that's their MO for that. But Julian Edelman actually, yes. Well, let's think about these these multiple Super Bowl teams and how many players from these teams end up in the Hall of Fame. Marvin Harrison. I mean, Marvin Harrison rode right off into the Hall of Fame on the heels of Peyton Manning. Yep. Um, Who knows what Marvin Harrison would have been if you take him someplace else. Look back. Let's look at the Steel Curtain in Pittsburgh. Like eight of those guys that are in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. If you're looking at this Patriots team from this modern era, with all of these Super Bowl victories, with all of these trips deep into the postseason to to the AFC Championship game, don't you have to have a third or a fourth player off that offense that's in the, that's in the Hall of Fame? Tom Brady, obviously, is first ballot. Rob Gronkowski, first ballot. Mm-hmm. So who's the third guy? And Edelman, if you look at it from a postseason numbers standpoint, come on, man. You can't keep him out. So you've got guys that are, you know, have had to wait their time and pay their dues. And you look at the Chris Carters and the Andre Reeds of the world. Edelman's getting in. I'm promising you right now. And that tells me all I need to know about where the center of gravity in New England is. And it's Bill Belichick. This game on Sunday pitted a Chiefs team with all-world talent up and down that offense. The defense, they're talking about, well, they don't have the personnel for that defense. Really? You don't have personnel over there? D Ford? Justin Houston? Yeah, how many times was Justin Houston's name called? Right. Did he even play? I, I got it. And this is a defense we heard, yeah, well, they're 31st, but, you know, the pass rush, whatever. Belichick was like, watch this. Yeah, I said, the sad thing is, everybody said that the Chiefs defense played their best game of the year the week before. Well, they, they saved well, it for the wrong week. Yeah, it ain't. It ain't going to happen this week. To see that pass rush neutralized the way it was was unbelievable, and it's a credit to Belichick. I hate Bill Belichick. I really, really do. But give respect where it's due, man. All right. A little bit left to go. You're hanging out from the cheap seats. I'm Chris. That's Trent. We appreciate you hanging out with us. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats from Sanford, North Carolina. I was stolen from my parents. I was imprisoned in a cramped cage and was touched and photographed 
completely against my will, solely for somebody's profit. Then I started to grow bigger, and they locked me away for life. If you knew that was the life of a tiger cub, would you still pay to pet her? Learn how they're exploited through petting and photo ops at cubabuse.com. Hey Clarice, can we please put on the new Justin Bieber album? Hold on, Dad will be mad if we don't listen to From the Cheap Seats. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. All right, welcome back from the Cheap Seats. I'm Kristen Lambert, and on Thursday afternoon at 6.30, I'll be on hand, on location, at Libations on Chatham, be hosting trivia. This week's theme, all of the categories, will be based on food and beverage. Food and beverage. Ooh, you got that? Yeah, food and beverage. All right, so if I were a betting man, I would say that the music will have something to do with food and drink. Maybe food and drink in the lyrics. Maybe food and drink in the band title. I know not I haven't. I actually haven't put it together, and it just occurred to me what I was going to do. But I was thinking about having a nice, tall, stiff drink, and yeah, and I love food. Yeah. So there you go. Should have some meatloaf with that uh, tall, stiff drink. Meatloaf. Hmm. Yeah. I like that. Meatloaf probably find his way into uh, into a question. Um, we do it every Thursday, six thirty. We're done by eight, eight thirty. Come out, cool prizes. Have an adult beverage or five and uh, have a good time. No cost to play. We have a good time. Been doing it for a couple years now, and it's always a blast. So there's that. Libations on Chatham. Check them out. Uh, also, follow us on social media at Cheap Seat Radio, Twitter, uh, Instagram, and coming soon, CheapSeatRadio.com. The website will be up. I did think I was going to finish it up this weekend. That didn't happen. Um, beer. Slacker. Beer. Beer and football. That's what I blame. And a little bit of homework. You know, that old pesky, pesky homework stuff. Damn college kids. Yeah, right. Um, back to what I was saying with regard to the Chiefs. You got a team here, all world talent on offense. Underrated personnel, I think, on defense. Uh, but that's certainly the weaker side of the ball. Well, I'm going to predict to them right now going to the Super Bowl next year. Who, the Chiefs? Yep. Well, fair enough. Um, I'm going to take Cincinnati in the Super Bowl next year. Okay. I'll take the <laughs> Zach Chiefs. Taylor, man. He's going back-to-back. Who's um, their new offensive coordinator they stole from uh, Washington? Sam Bill Callahan. No. Yes. They got somebody from Washington as their new OC. It was announced today. No way. Yep. That's what happens when you're in class all day. College kids. Wow. Hmm. Yeah, look that up for me. Yep. Uh, yeah, Bill Callahan had been, had been rumored. He was uh, – he was Zach Taylor's coach at Nebraska when Taylor played quarterback. Bill Callahan was the head coach there. That was the post-Oakland um, days. You know, Bill Callahan was the guy that took over after Gruden left the Raiders, after the after the Bucks traded for John Gruden. Bill Callahan was the guy that took over and uh, took him to the Super Bowl, where Gruden beat him in the Super Bowl. And there's always been rumors of complicity that Oakland threw that game so that Gruden could get that. But I don't know. I digress. What you got? Brian Callahan. Oh, okay. Interesting. Must be Bill Callahan's kid. Very, very interesting. Brian Callahan. Hmm. Boggles the mind. <sighs> anyway, they did not interview me for the gig. It would have been a whole lot cooler if they had. 
Um, what I'm saying, again, since you threw me off, I love how you do that. That's your little game that you play. during, the, <laughs> Especially when you've got me in here by myself. Um, my thing is, is that when you look at the Patriots squad from top to bottom, left to right, I don't know that there's a skill position player for the Patriots that would start for the Chiefs. And maybe that even includes the quarterback position. Because Pat Mahomes certainly physically at this point can do things that Tom Brady cannot do. I think Sony Michelle would. Maybe. Yeah. He may. They In love Damian Williams. Situation. In fact, they just gave Damian Williams a big extension. And Sony yeah. Sony Michelle is 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 a nice player. So even if we say, all right, Sony Michelle maybe gets the nod. When you look in the passing game, which is what drives things, the Chiefs have superior talent. Mm-hmm. That Patriots defense, ugh. Other than Stephen Stephon Gilmore, uh, it's not a whole bunch of great personnel out there. Kyle Van Noy and people like that doing their thing. The difference is Belichick. Mm-hmm. That dude. We've never seen anything like it. I don't think in any other sport. The the guy that we would have to look at maybe as having had the most success across the spectrum might be Red Auerbach. And we always look at Red's numbers and we're like, yeah, but the NBA had six teams. But what about Phil Jackson? How many times Phil get to the finals? Nine? He won 11 rings. It's 11. No, it's yeah. 11, is it? Yeah. It's I think 11? 10 as a coach and Jeez. one as a player. Oh, God. Maybe it is Phil Jackson then. I don't know. But anyway, I'll put Belichick above Phil Jackson. Oh, me too. See, I've grown in the years, I guess after so long of hating him, I've just accepted and I don't mind him. I respect him for what he has done. No lack of respect. I mean, people say, well, if he didn't have Brady. Yeah, no, he created Brady. I have a a three-year prediction that I can throw out whenever you're ready. Yeah, right now. So I think this is it. This is the swan song swan song of the Patriots as we know it. Okay. Win or lose the Super Bowl, A, I think Gronk is going to retire, which is whatever, but I think Bilicek will also retire. Hmm. That's why Josh McDaniels pulled out so quick for these head coaching jobs. He's going to take over the Patriots. I think Belichick within he may take a year off, but he's going to go into the front office of a team that will he will be able to mess with the Patriots. Mm-hmm. And within three years, he'll lead that team, not as the head coach, but as the GM, to win a Super Bowl. That's interesting. He'll win it before Brady will. I don't think the Patriots win another Super Bowl. Interesting. Um, So in your prediction, is Brady retiring too, or is he with the Patriots? He will be with the Patriots at least two more seasons. All right, so he and Josh McDaniels doing it without Belichick. That would be interesting. I'd actually like to see that come to pass, um, just to see – you know what Brady can do without. We'll see. Well, I'm I not think, sure. I'm, I'm not sure. I'm reading anything Belichick, into what. I think you take Belichick out of the mess, and you get a lot more of the NFL drama that you experience with all the other teams Maybe. because it's not that you are nobody. We are a team mentality anymore, and it's going to go sideways. Well, the question with Josh McDaniels is, and will continue to be until he proves that it's not. He seemed. People seem to feel about him that he is abrasive, that he's a gruff guy. You can get away with that when you have a track record like Belichick. Uh, If you don't, I don't know. But Belichick was always that guy, and the reason he was able to get get away with it is the success he had with Parcells. Mm 
Um, so maybe at this point, maybe Josh McDaniels has enough track record. Remember when he took the Denver job, he'd only been the New England offensive coordinator for 10 minutes. I mean, he came after Charlie Weiss and all the rest of that stuff. So McDaniels wasn't really established. He just happened to be the guy holding the clipboard, putting the game plan together for a couple of years. At this point, he has become as synonymous with that team as anybody besides Brady, Gronk, and Belichick. You know, Josh McDaniels is probably the fourth name that people would spit out at you if they're deep football fans. So maybe at this point, he has enough oomph behind him that he can come and get away with being an a-hole to people. Um, or maybe he's learned his lesson and figured out ah, it's probably not the most effective communication strategy. Well, they say he's learned his lesson, but like I said, that. I think the Patriots still may be good, but I think there'll be a decline. I don't think without Belichick, this is their last hurrah. They're going to win the Super Bowl. This is it. Well, that leads, me to, my, that leads me to the next question. The <coughs> question who do you have in the Super Bowl, Trent? Man. You know, Sean McVay is a really smart head coach, and L.A. has video game talent. If I was to play Madden, that's the team I'd love to to mess with. Um, I predicted the Rams and the Patriots in the Super Bowl this year because the Rams, with all their signings, and it's so – until they are officially over, it's hard to pick against the Patriots. They never played each other this year nope. in the regular season. So that's one notch that I give the Rams. But I think Belichick and the Patriots have enough tape of them featured girly and not featured girly to be able to do something. Because Jared Goff is not as good as Pat Mahomes. No, Pat God, Mahomes no, is no, a, no. a matchup nightmare. No. And watching what they did in the first half – I don't know, and and Brady being able to study the Rams' defense like they are, and they're going to come through the middle. If anybody comes through the middle, the Rams better push and put pressure on Brady. But I, I have to say, 17 years, man, this is the rematch people have been waiting for. I think the outcome's going to be the same. I think the Brady, the Brady and Belichick era will end with a victory like it began. All right. Cool. I'm going to tell you that through this entire playoff, in fact, even coming into the playoffs, what I've told people is I'm not going to believe Brady can be beaten until I see him beaten. I'm not going to bet against Tom Brady. My money is not coming out of my wallet and go against the GOAT. That's a smart move. <laughs> so, of course, my official committed to paper pick for the Super Bowl yeah. is the Los Angeles Rams. What? I think what you just said is the reason I think the Rams can do this. Pressure up the middle. I have seen enough from Indomitian Sue in the last two weeks to think there's no reason he can't do it one more time. And with Aaron Donald and Sue coming up the middle – I think they can harass Brady and make him uncomfortable just enough that they can unleash that powerful offense and do some damage. The other thing, too, the fact that this is a neutral site game plays into the Rams' favor. We saw the genius of Sean McVay on display this weekend in the Superdome. It's obvious now to anybody listening, and people have been talking about it 
about Sean McVay and how he's in Goff's ear. But without McVay in his ear for the first half of of Sunday's game, we saw Jared Goff look a lot more like the guy that was there under the Fisher regime that couldn't do anything. Mm -hmm. It's pretty obvious the kid doesn't read defense as well. He has to be directed where to throw the ball to. Now, once you do that, he's as talented as anybody out there. He can make all the throws. Always has been able to back at Cal and the rest of that. Without McVay in his ear making the reads for him down to 15 on the play clock, Goff was a completely different guy. In the Super Bowl, he's probably going to be all right. You know, it's not the most hardcore fans that are at the Super Bowl. That's not the folks that get tickets to these things. So I don't think it's going to be fever pitch. It's going to be an evenly split 50-50 crowd that comes in there. I don't think there's going to be so much noise that it's going to disrupt the comms. I think McVay gets to read the defenses for Goff. Goff gets to execute. And the pivotal thing here, two weeks off, you give – Gurley, two more weeks to get well, and he actually is a part of the game plan. Rams are dangerous. We'll see you to wrap this thing up here in just a little bit. You're hanging out from the cheap seats. You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Adkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio. Welcome back to The Cat Show. Up next, we have Nico. Nico is a member of the Shelter Pet Group. That's right. A group known especially for their sunspot sleeping, ball chasing, leg rubbing, and of course, companionship. Just look how she struts. It's like she owns the place. And see how she curls up and cuddles her person. The pitch on her purring is simply perfect. Nice one. Fantastic cat. But really the best way to know an amazing shelter pet like Nico is to meet one. Visit the shelterpetproject.org today. Adopt. Brought to you by Maddie's Fund, the Humane Society of the United States, and the Ad Council. Radio at gmail.com. That's cheap seat radio at gmail.com. And as promised, coming very, very soon, the website. That'll be cheapseatradio.com. Check it out. By the time you hear this, maybe it's up. If it's not, you get nothing. It's because I haven't activated it yet. So anyway, we've talked this NFC AFC championship games. We've talked them to death. Have we have we done them justice, Trent? I think so. Yeah? Yeah. Well, we've got the place to ourselves for a half hour, and we've got nobody to tell us no. <coughs> so I propose we take a deep dive. Into baseball. Ooh. How you feeling about that? Well, I think that would be a Hall of Fame. Ah, I thought you were going to say, <laughs> I think that would be a home run. Oh. You are king of the dad jokes. That would be all. a triple. <laughs> be an intentional walk. Fielder's choice. <laughs> all right. So today's a momentous day. Have the selections been announced yet? Unfortunately, yes, I've been seeing some uh, announcements. Yes. All right. So today, the Hall of Fame class of 2019 is unveiled, and I all I want to know, I, I want to, I want to see by your eyes. Did Barry Bonds get in? Not that I've seen. Uh, you know, I honestly believe Barry Bonds until he gets into the Hall of Fame. I'm just not going to care much about the Hall of Fame. Say what you will. How, where, where are you at with that? Where are you at with the steroid thing? My whole thing is there. It, 
there wasn't a rule saying you couldn't use steroids. Okay, I understand it's a performance-enhancing drug, but I guarantee you, if I took steroids right now and went to the batting cage, I wouldn't hit 75 home runs. So you still have to go out there, do the work, and play the game. It wasn't illegal. I don't really care. You know, a player my is a player. With, my thing with Bonds is the advantage that Bonds had as a player, I would attribute as much as anything the equipment. Bonds, unlike anybody in any generation before him, was able to hang out over the plate because he wore that armor on his right arm and was fearless in terms of crowding the plate. I thought that was as big a thing as any steroid situation. Yeah. The other thing is it wasn't just the home runs. People that didn't live through the Barry Bonds era as baseball fans don't understand his impact on the game was like nothing we've seen in the last 50 years. But the thing with Barry Bonds was he was late to the game getting there. The steroid thing blew up and basically saved baseball was Mark McGuire Agreed. and Sammy Sosa. The year after the strike, baseball was so – it was basically worse dead than it is now. <laughs> but everybody – I can remember – I think it was the same year Princess Di died. I can remember where I was when they cut in to show Mark McGuire's 70th home run. Wow. You know, I mean, that was, that brought baseball back. Yeah, the Sosa McGuire, that captivated America. Wasn't a part of that. He was the next three years after that. Yep. And to look, though, at the offensive force that Bonds was over a five or six year stretch. I've never seen a single player as dominant in their sport, maybe ever. And I'm I'm not excluding Michael Jordan. I'm not excluding Roy Jones Jr. in his prime. Barry Bonds, you could not get this guy out. And it wasn't just the home runs. Yeah, the home runs were a big part of it, but this guy was he was something else. He walked. I know. He broke all the walk I, records I know. during those years. I mean, Whether you're looking at a guy that for extended stretches during the season would carry an, an on-base percentage of 550 <laughs> or 600. It's ridiculous what this cat did. So do you want to go down this list? I'll right. read you who is up. No, yeah, and I'll tell Hall you yes or no. And then you tell me I'm are they in or not. I'm going to give a thumbs up or thumbs down. Well, no, nobody can see that on radio. Uh, I'm going to say it. Oh, okay. Rick Ankeel. No. You're not really going to go that deep into this list, are you? I'm going through the whole list of people nominated. All right, go ahead. And Keel, definitely not. Uh, Do you want me to edit it? No, just go. go. Jason Bay. No. Lance Berkman. No. Barry Bonds. I don't think he's going to get in yet. Roger Clemens. Definitely not going to get in because of the steroids. And, Uh, And I don't know. He is the most vilified of all the steroid culprits because he was so adamant when he lied to Congress, and then he just never would admit. Uh, but I'm going to say Bonds and Clemens, no. I'm not going to read them all. Some of them are stupid, like John Garland. <laughs> Come on, dude. Yes. Uh, okay, Roy Halladay. Ooh. No. So, not, a, not a long enough dominance. Okay, well, this is where I think may sway you. Okay. He finished 
in the top five of Cy Young voting seven years in a row. Wow. That's stout. So, I don't know. Does that change your... Mm. I initially don't think so either. I'm on, a, I'm on the fence. Let me but see who I else is that. in there. Because you know baseball, they like to politic it more than anybody else. Yeah, Todd Helton. Helton should be in. I'm going to say yes on Helton. Okay. Andrew Jones. No. If Andrew Jones had been able to last and stretch his greatness for another four or five seasons, he would have. But he went from a guy that was as good as anybody in baseball to a guy that couldn't hit. No. Jeff Kent. No. And you know why Jeff Kent's not going to get in? Because <coughs> the press hated Jeff Kent. Yeah. He was a he was a complete douche. I liked him. He was a Met. Uh, Fred, crime dog, McGriff. Mm. Oof. Wow. No. Not quite. Okay. Mike Mucina. Yes. Why would you say him and not Moose, Holiday? Moose was, Moose was dominant for a very long time. Yeah, but he didn't win anything until he went to the Yankees. I, I got you, but Mucina, when he was with Baltimore, was one of the best pitchers in baseball for a long time. Darren Oliver. No. Roy Oswalt. No. Andy Pettit. Pettit is caught up with steroids – uh, but there's still the New York love. I'm going to say n- no. Pettit does not get in before Halliday. Uh, Manny Ramirez. Yes. Mariano Rivera. He is your lock this cycle. Yeah? Yeah. Mar- Rivera should have 95% plus of the vote. What's the highest ever? I mean, hundred. Nobody's. I don't know that anybody in the modern era has gotten hundred no. percent. Even Griffey, there were one I think or two it was votes. Ninety nine point three. I think yeah, it, the it might percentage. have been Griffey, which is stupid. Yeah, Scott Rowland. Uh, Rowland should not get in. Although I love Scott Rowland as a ball player. Kurt Schilling. Schilling should have been in. Um. Yeah, Schilling should get in. Gary Sheffield. Sheffield, no. Sheffield's a fringe guy. I don't think he's quite Hall of Fame worthy. Sammy Sosa. Sosa should be in, but won't. Miguel Tejada. No. Omar Vasquez. Vasquez. You know what? If Omar Vizquel gets in, I'm going to be pissed. <laughs> no, Omar Vizquel is one of the most overrated players in modern history. Vizquel was a very good defensive player. Sorry, he was Cleveland. never quite as good defensively as people thought he was. Yeah. And didn't hit a lick. No. He was Ozzie Smith with without being as good as Ozzie Smith. Billy Wagner. No. Larry Walker. Ooh. Walker won't get in because he played too much time in small markets. Vernon Wells. No. Dude, I thought this guy still played. Kevin Euclid. <laughs> I love that man. Euclid should not get in. Hell, I'm, I want Uke. Uke. Uke shouldn't get in, uh, and I don't think he will. I want him on my fantasy team there's, again. The thing with it is, you know, there's like 40 writers from New York that are on the that are on the Hall of Fame voting panel. He won't get in. I, that's what I'm saying. Yoke. I think that's enough that he oh, won't get Uke. in. Okay, this so, is the biggest name. This is it. All right, ten years on the list. Edgar Martinez. Edgar, I've always thought should not get in, but. The Veterans Committee put Baines in, and if Harold Baines is in, Edgar Martinez has to be well, in. Harold Baines played outfield his whole career. No, Baines was a DH most of his career. He still played outfield more Baines than Edgar Martinez. Baines should not have gotten in, and I really like Harold Baines. 
I like Baines when he was with the White Sox. I liked him when he was with Rangers. I've been a bit of a Rangers fan forever. But if Baines is in, Edgar Martinez was twice the DH that Baines was. So that's my thinking, and I hope that the writers see it the same way. All right. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go since given the list that you've got, Rivera we agree is in. Yes. I think this being year ten for Edgar Martinez, he finally gets in. I am going to say yes on Halliday, and I'm going to say yes on Helton. So you think that getting in this year will be Rivera, Halliday, Martinez, and Todd Helton? Did I did I miss any gimmies? Are there any other? And, oh, and I said Musina. Will they put five in? Nah, baseball won't do that. No way. Nah. I, okay. We got, so now I got to th- rethink it. And and just so that you know that. All right. Well, oh. I'll finish the thought. We got 15 more minutes to go after the break. Thanks for hanging out. We're going we're gonna to put a bow on this. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats from Sanford, North Carolina. Everyone deserves a decent place to live. Everyone. Decent shelter is something we all need to thrive. Through shelter, we empower. Visit Habitat.org to donate today. My name is Forrest, Forrest Gump. My mom always told me, you don't have to sit down close to see the action. Sometimes it's better from the cheap seats. And that's all I gotta say about that. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. All right, talking Hall of Fame voting for Major League Baseball. And we're speculating. We haven't looked at the results. We haven't seen the results posted yet. So this is still speculative. So you can measure us against what actually happens. Here's the thing. The NFL sees their Hall of Famers as ambassadors from the game, and they want as many people as they can justify getting in. Mm -hmm. Now, there are politics played with particular positions, wide receiver as much as anything, where they're like, ah, you got to wait your turn. So-and-so's got to get in before you do, and that's just the way the game is played. Baseball, the writers take themselves way too seriously. They're not going to put five players in. They're probably not going to put more than three in. And nobody's ever gotten 100%. 99.3, I was right. Ken Griffey Jr. Yeah, and Griffey not getting 100% is ridiculous. For the first 10 years of his career, he was the Pat Mahomes of baseball. So who, who is your final right. answer? R- Rivera's got to get in. Okay. Rivera's I in. I agree with you on that one. Okay. I'm going to say... Helton's going to be punished for being in a small market. The New York guys don't know anything about Helton. Um, I'm going to say Musina gets in. And one more. Could they put three pitchers in in one class? And that's it? Yeesh. So you I have, don't think they're going to put more than three, three in. No, I don't think they'll put more than three in. That's well, what about Martinez? Do. Edgar Martinez. Ed, Ed, Edgar gets in. So, so you that's say what Rivera, I'm going to say. Martinez, and Musina. That's that's where I'm going. So with. I agree with all of those. I think oh. Halliday will go in, but I disagree with Musina, and I would take um, Manny Ramirez instead. Oh snap! I forgot Manny. Manny's got to be in. All right, so I'm going to I'm going to amend again. I'm going to say they take three players, okay. and I'm going to say it's Rivera, Edgar, and Manny Ramirez. I. I don't think I'm the writers the are going to put more than three in. I'd like to look at the size oh. of the classes the last few years. Hold on. I, all right. Here it is. The oh. vote's in. 
And? Congratulations. The first one into the Hall of Fame, Mike Mussina. Boom! Good job. Although I backed off it there at the last minute. I should right. shut you up. still had him. All right. And congratulations. We miss you, Doc. Roy Halladay made it into the Hall of Fame. Well, good for Roy Halladay. All right. All right. This is a big class, isn't it? His final time, 10 years. Edgar got in? Edgar got in. Man. Nice. And, and I'm going to tell you. I got listen, chills. Listen, I got to tell you, before you go on with chills. the rest of the list, had Harold Baines not been, not gotten in, I would have still said no to Edgar Martinez. But you can't put Baines in and leave Edgar out. That's just not fair. Edgar is one of the best pure hitters we've ever seen. He just played DH. Yeah. Baines was a all right pure hitter who never put up the numbers that Edgar did. I got chills. I'm so proud of Edgar. He was one of the only Mariners. Him and Ripken and uh, Jay, uh, what is it, Braun? 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 The bald-headed guy that played center field out there? Or not center field, but right field? Whatever. Martinez alike. <laughs> Congratulations, Martinez. <laughs> and the last guy they picked four. It's got to be Rivera. 100%. Really? Mariano Rivera. That's the New York guys, man. Rivera got 100%. I'm astounded. I can't believe. Oh, that, that's the people, the highest vote totals yeah. ever. Um, Man, how do I feel about Rivera getting 100% and Griffey Jr. not? Yeah. I don't know. The, what the, about the, Nolan Ryan Well, that's not. the thing. Well, no, no, no. The name on there that's ridiculous is Seaver. How did Tom Seaver not get 100%? 98%? Yeah. Tom Seaver. Come on, man. Rivera Halliday Martinez Mucina. <coughs> so, Chris, um, this whole time, I knew who got in. Yeah. You're an asshole. But you did a hell of a job. You picked them all. Congratulations. Well, thanks, man. I tried to throw you off with the Mucina and threw in Edgar and Manny Ramirez to try to skew you. So, Manny didn't get in. Nope. I'm going to try to find. Know. I don't know how that can be. to find the percentages. That all these guys. I'm going to say of the guys that missed that that Ramirez is number one. And was this man? Was this Manny's first year of eligibility? I don't know if it's his that may first be it too because you know with baseball that's a big deal. They don't like guys being first ballot. They they, they make them wait, man. It's it's I thought so this is silly. Mariano Rivera's first. Yeah, but M- Rivera's a. How do you not put Rivera in? You know, Rivera was a guy the best ever at his position. I mean. And and had the big moments to go with. Oh. I'm not a Yankees fan, but how close? This is not making for good radio. How I'm close? sorry. Okay, so the public ballot had Revere at 100, Halliday at 94, Edgar at 90.7, Mike Mussina at 81.9, Roy or Roger Clemens 73.6. Wow. Kurt Schilling at 74.2. Oh. Barry Bonds at 73.1. Man, he's close. Manny Ramirez only got 26.9. Come on, man. Just come on. That's stupid. And you know what the crazy part of that is? David Ortiz is going to get in on the first ballot. And David Ortiz isn't half the ball player Manny Ramirez was. Yeah. That's that's ridiculous. That's people that are just like, ah, Manny was a he was a jerk. He was a weirdo. Whatever. Come on, man. Manny Ramirez was the best hitter in baseball for a very long time, or right in there in the top three or four. Come on, that's just dumb. That's just dumb. And had he played for the Yankees, it'd be a whole different animal. But whatever. Is Mike Piazza getting into the Hall of Fame? Piazza should. 
I Piazza's, think Kurt Schilling should too. Yeah, Schilling should. Um, I think Schilling. I the the thing with Schilling is I'm not sure that you could ever look at Schilling and say he's the best pitcher in baseball. But for an eight year period, he was one of the top two or three. Oh, I mean, he played in his, he played in an era with Roger Clemens and Randy three Johnson. Three years with the Phillies, he was number he, he, one. I don't know. No, man. you're talking about Randy Johnson, one, brother. Dude. No. You had Pedro Martinez was doing his thing. Roger Clemens. I don't know. So I don't know. I'm, I'm, I think Pedro Martinez should get in too. Pedro, first ballad. Of course, I agree too. But I think Barry Bonds should. I think out of all the steroid guys, Bonds, McGuire, uh, Andy Pettit should all get in. I think uh, the Balt- Rafael Palmero should get in. I don't think Sammy Sosa should. See, that's funny, and I would love to sit and like debate it with you one day. I'm not sure when you peel the numbers apart about individual production, I'm not 100% certain I'm sold that Mark McGuire is a Hall of Famer. Hmm. I, I mean, when you stack him up against Manny Ramirez and look at total production, or you stack him up against Edgar Martinez, McGuire was a sideshow. You know, he was going to hit the ball a million miles, but other than that, he wasn't going to do a whole lot. Yeah. So, I'm and I'm not saying he was a bad player, he's overrated or whatever, but he was, you know, Dave Kingman. Um so yeah. I'm shocked Manny Ramirez has got that low a percentage of the vote. So, yeah. let me ask you, you're a big baseball fan. Does Ramirez ever get in? I think so. You think so? He I mean, like you said, David David uh David Ortiz because he's bigger than life, yeah. I think Manny Ramirez should be right there with him. I think so too, and I think with with this, like we said, it's baseball, never been about cheating with drugs. Who Manny Ramirez? No, but Big Poppy has. Everybody loves okay. to forget. Yeah, that, you know, David Ortiz was a steroid user, but he was a nice guy. So we Darren forgive. Dalton didn't he go in? Who Darren Dalton? No, Darren Dalton's not in the Hall of Fame. Darren Dalton should have been. Isn't he dead? Did I think he so too. Man, he was That's a, why I'd he put was him in. weird. That dude was like. UFO, space abduction, that kind of weird. He's a bizarre guy. I can't believe Cal Ripken didn't get 100%. Ripken, don't even get me started on Ripken, dude. <laughs> don't get me started. The, the thing is, is is baseball more than any other sport, I think, we anoint some guys. T- Ripken's one of those. When At what point in his career was Ripken like the biggest offensive force in baseball? What Never, do we have not to even do close. to get a vote? Huh? What do we have to do to get a vote? You have to be a card-carrying member of the Baseball Writers Association of America. Can we make that happen? Nope. Why? Uh, it's a pretty elaborate process. I don't care. I'm going to do it. The thing with it is, is that the credentials generally, my understanding, most of the credentials come through publications. So like the New York Post and folks like that get oodles of these things and they distribute them to their writers while they're on staff. And some of those New York publications like the Post and stuff, dude, they've got 15 credentials. These guys don't even cover baseball. Yeah. But the post lies, and these guys get a vote. It's kind of wild. I want to vote. But I I do have to say I'm happy for Mariano Rivera that he's 100%. But when you stack him up, Tom Seaver, Ken Griffey Jr., I mean, Cal Cal Ripken. Nolan Ryan, Nolan Ryan. Throwing a no-hitter at 40. I know. What do you have? Seven of them? (sighs) Oh. I mean, the guy's got more strikeouts and uh, come on, man. Not a hundred percent. I'm, I'm with you. I think until uh, I think we should not have any more Hall of Fame classes until Pete Rose gets in. I'm with you a hundred percent. 
I don't understand what the value. What are you going to wait for? Is he going to die? And I, then you'll I, put probably, him in? man. And the thing with the, the thing with it is, is at this point, it's just petty. Baseball has nothing to gain, nothing to gain by continuing to keep Pete Rose out of yeah. the Hall of Fame. There is no value there. There is no benefit. Oh, and what? <laughs> okay, so you know how they're talking about if marijuana becomes legal they should get rid of some of these people that are in jail because of minor crimes yes with marijuana sports betting oh snap it's legal so right? you gotta erase this pete rose i hadn't ban. even thought about that dude that's just, like a big just that's hit me a genius thought so why it's legal sports betting is legal pete rose should be welcome exonerated back, exonerated for it. his crimes that's a genius piece I'm starting of knowledge a Twitter, you just pulled out. I'm starting a Twitter uh, handle. I like Pete it. Rose Hall of Fame. I'm probably something out there already. I'm sure. But, yeah, I'm, it's legal. I'm 100% for that. It's legal. Here's my, here's my question to anybody that disagrees. You know, this is about illegal betting on baseball. The, the, the enforcement of this comes 65 years late because this is still back to old Black Sox stuff. You made your point, dude. The cat, you've kept this cat out for 30 years. What is baseball gaining? I mean, is there anybody out there who's going to be like, oh, it's okay for me to bet on my own team because they're just going to kick me out of baseball for 30 years. 30 years of dropping a bucket. I can do that standing on my head. Come on, man. You've made your point. You've got a, an old man now. Yeah, I get he's hard to deal with. Got it. Cool. There's plenty of athletes out there that are hard to deal with. Bill Belichick's an asshole, too. So? Is his name in the record books for anything? Yeah. They didn't take anything away. I mean, he's still the hit king. So, put him in the damn hall of fame. Right. If if not, you should have erased him from the record books like he never existed. Wow. I mean, that's ridiculous. Sports is legal now. Betting. Major League is going to get... What they're projecting forty percent more revenue because of sports betting, mm. and you're not going to put Pete Rose in the Hall of Fame. I think I'll just be impressed if people even understand how the lines in baseball work, because betting lines in baseball are confusing as that. hell. They're stupid, and it's like you, you negative one seventy five. You got to pay one hundred and seventy five dollars yeah, to win a buck it, or something. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it's a whole lot more complicated. I'll take the win or a loss, right? That's it. And give me some points. I understand how that. Goes. I mean, I'll bet that. You know, this guy's going to steal second while I'm wa- live watching. Dude, I love That's that. what is going to happen. I love that. Pete Rose, Hall of Fame. I think it happened. <laughs> because Betty. I, wouldn't it be cool, too, though? Wouldn't it be cool if Barry Bonds Ooh. and Pete Rose got in the oh. same class? Ooh. How cool would that be? You No, you group them all together. The next class, it should be the Nothing Bad Boys the, of Baseball. I love it. Clemens, Schilling, Bonds, Pete Rose. Love it. Put Brophy in, too. Palmero gets in, too. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. Because he was my favorite at the Congress where he adamant, I never cheated. And literally three weeks later, you failed the drug test. <laughs> and you never heard from him again. No. He no. disappeared off the face of the earth. Now, I will say that um, I think. What the heck? Well, here's the thing. Is a lot of guys get in trouble and they the, the, the entities and organizations around them sort of try to wash their hands of them. If you go to the Mississippi State campus, their indoor baseball p- facility is called the Palmero Center. He he paid for it. He's one of the greats in Bulldog history. They're not ashamed. They're like, yeah, well, 
All that steroids started right here at Mississippi State. We'll see you next week, guys. Love you. You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Adkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio.